It's our joy and privilege. How do you forgive the unforgivable? A family member is murdered. Drunk driver slams into your car and you're, you end up in a wheelchair. Trusted family friend molests your child. Member of your church who works as a financial counselor persuades you to invest your life savings with him and he loses it all. Your spouse betrays you and the marriage vows you took. Your best friend or one of them gossips, spreads rumors all untrue about you and the rest of your friends ostracize you. I mean, every person here, if you've lived long enough, have horrendous stories like that. How do you ever forgive in a scenario like this? How? Answer, short answer, I think, is, well, you really don't. You can't. It's impossible. In the flesh. And yet, the thing is, God has called us to be people of grace who forgive. And um, we embarked on a journey of study last week, ran out of time. Um, I, I, uh, I want to continue talking about this. Not an easy subject to talk about. I'm going to do a little bit of a running start from last week. Um, we are commanded to be people who forgive. And the passages that Jean read, we read last week, can I point out again that Paul says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. That sounds a lot like um, lack of forgiveness. That's what happens in your heart when you don't forgive, malice. But instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. And here, I mean, this is for reals. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And then, Colossians says, similarly, put then on then God's chosen ones, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. So this is like the opposite side of the coin. In Ephesians, here's the things we got to get rid of. We put them off. And here in Colossians, here's what we put on, including all this list, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So I um, gave you as kind of a summary statement last time, and I want to remind you of it. I actually printed it in the outline too. Um, God gives us Christians the command, the example, and the power to forgive those who, commend, to, who offend and wrong us. It's a command. We've just seen that. Jesus himself said, whenever you stand praying, if you've got anything against anybody, forgive. So it's undeniable that it's a command. He's given us the example, and in both Colossians and, and Ephesians, he says, you're supposed to forgive as God has forgiven you in Christ. That's our example. And then the power to forgive is the Holy Spirit. We are to walk in the Spirit and not give in to the desires of the flesh. 
One of the fleshly desires we all have is to get back at people who've hurt us, uh, to grind them down, to wound them equally or worse than we have been wounded. But the Spirit of God is the one who helps us not do that and yield it up to the Lord. And so I decided last week as I was studying that, um, or two weeks ago actually, that I would approach the subject with questions. I started bombarding the idea of forgiveness with a lot of questions, and I sort of boiled it down to three. First question is the one I spent most time with last time. What does it mean to forgive? And then uh, another question is, well, so if someone doesn't apologize, you still have to forgive them or what? And then the third question, most important one is, how do you do it? How do you forgive? Um, so I started dealing with, and I thought I was going to complete this one, but we ran out of time. What does it mean to forgive? I gave you some clues based on the two Greek words that are most often used and translated to forgive. At the heart of one of them is the word grace, unmerited favor. The Greek word is charis. Maybe you know somebody named Carissa. Carissa is a, it's a lovely name that means grace or graceful or something. Anyhow, um, so charizomai is the one that's used both in uh, Colossians and Ephesians, and it emphasizes the idea of we're giving a gift to somebody who does not deserve it. That's what grace is. The other word that's used more frequently in the New Testament is the verb ephiemi, and it means to release, to send away, to give up just to send off. And in terms of forgiveness, it emphasizes the idea is that we are giving the offense and the offender up to Almighty God for him to deal with. Um, so what I ended up doing is, um, is I began to show you a chart of you know, what forgiveness is not and what forgiveness is. If you got an outline today, I filled out the first three of these contrasts because that's what we did last time. Let me just touch lightly on them. Forgiveness is not forbearance. Forbearance is what we're all supposed to have, cutting one another some slack. Not everything is a federal case. Not everything rises to the level I got to forgive them. And it is, I think it is the most wrong-headed thing in the world to decide that someone's offended you and then magnanimously to forgive them and then to announce that to them. You walk up and say, you know, you really hurt me. And you're going, really, what happened? But I forgive you. And then you drop the mic and walk away. Well, you know, don't do that. That's ridiculous. Um, you know, we cover it with love. And there are things that we are not offended by and we're not triggered by and we just cut one another some slack. Um, on the other hand, forgiveness is for deeply wounding hurts and they may have a long-term impact in your life and they might be intentional on the part of the offender. Maybe they were trying to do exactly what happened. They wounded you deeply. And so... I don't know where the line is between, ah, this, I was talking to Louisa this week and she said, yeah, we just throw that on the pile of forbearance. You know, stuff happens. Yeah, throw it on the pile of forbearance. Well, that's what we're supposed to do. But there are some things that cannot be forbearance. They have to be under the category of forgiveness. Second thing I tried to say is forgiveness is not minimizing the offense done to you. 
the victim language that victims learn is that I probably deserved it. It's not a big deal. Everybody has stuff in their life. And so they think maybe that's forgiveness. No, I, I'm convinced that to truly forgive, you've got to be honest with God and with yourself and perhaps ideally, I think, with the offender about how badly you've been hurt. And um, I, I don't think you're forgiving until you've counted the cost of what it means to have been wounded. The third contrast was uh, forgiveness is not letting the offender off the hook. A, a lot of people who have been deeply hurt are, are reluctant to forgive because they think that the record of this monstrous thing that has happened will just go away and that nobody will know or remember if they forgive and they have the mistaken idea that um, the offender is left off the hook. No, no. Forgiveness is a decision to give grace to those who don't deserve it by releasing the offense and the offender to God. God says, among other things, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. True or not true? I mean, we have to decide if we believe what the word of God actually says. And so um, it comes down to a matter of trust. And I think this is the basic lesson I've learned about forgiveness is you've got to trust that God will handle this and that you cannot. And if you trust him, then you give it to him. So that's from last time. Now, let me continue by giving you three more contrasts. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Um, forgive and forget. That's what we're supposed to do. Oh, I haven't forgotten, so I guess I haven't forgiven. We get that from what the Lord says about his own forgiveness. Isaiah 43, 25, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. So we think, well, I've got to get to a point where I don't even remember this. It's not even a factor. It's just gone. Well, what does it really mean that God doesn't remember anymore? Did he develop amnesia about your sin? Did he wipe out his own memory banks? What? Obviously, God remembers in one sense because he's recorded in his word sins that he has forgiven. I mean, there's all kinds of records of people who did horrible things that God's forgiven, and he put them in his book. So he's not forgiven get forgotten in that sense i think that it means that he has forgotten judiciously that is it's no longer a part of his judicial responsibility to punish the wrath of god has already fallen on jesus so you as a child of god i mean he's forgotten about the judicial side of it so how in the world could we ever quote forget well i think if you want to use that word, forgetting means forgetting revenge and bitterness and giving up to God. And um, so it's, it's forgetting with quotes around it. I don't think you, I mean, maybe some of you are so spiritual and so filled with uh, God's love that you never remember any of those horrific things that I described or whatever else has happened to you. And I, let me hang out with you so I can learn from you. But I mean, I, I think actually in this broken world what we're talking about in forgetting is that we're not holding it against the person that wrath is not something we're uh, we believe is our responsibility that we are giving them a gift that they don't deserve and 
We don't deserve the gift that we got either. That's called grace. Number five, forgiveness is not dismissal of consequences. Sometimes Christians have the idea that if they forgive, then everything goes back to the way it was. Um, or, or that there shouldn't be any um, issue. I, I had a sweet lady call me some time ago. She was trying to help a person who claimed to be a Christian. I want to be careful how I say this. And um, the person she was trying to help was temporarily living in her home. And rather than being grateful and kind to this lady, the person got belligerent and angry and actually shoved, put their hands on her and shoved her. And she was beside herself. She wanted... she wanted my help to know what to do. And my first question was, well, did you call the cops? And she said, well, they're a Christian and I'm a Christian. And I said, so? <laughs> well, as it turns out, calling the cops may not work anyway. So, I mean, but my point is that you can forgive somebody, but there's a consequence to society. If you're... Um, your dear brother-in-law whom you love commits murder and you it disrupts the family and hurts everybody as it should and you end up forgiving your brother-in-law it doesn't mean that you protect him from being arrested and ended up in jail right so get we should get out of our minds the idea that consequences don't accrue when somebody um, commits an offense against society and it happens to involve you. So what I would say is forgiveness is giving the offender and the offense to God, but there may very well be consequences. If it's not, perhaps it's not a legal matter, but there may be consequences in the relationship you have. It may be that you'll draw new boundaries. It may be that there is protection for your family that you didn't know you needed. There's all kinds of consequences. King David, um, a man after God's own heart, committed horrific sins against other people. He committed adultery and then covered it up with what amounts to murder. God forgave him. No doubt that God forgave him. There were terrible consequences in his personal life, in his family, and in his own kingdom. Okay. One other thing that I wanted to say is uh, forgiveness is not primarily a feeling. We are driven by our feelings so often, and I don't know if our, the current climate of the way people think about these things makes it worse or better. I'm not sure, but I know that you cannot run your Christian life by how you feel about things, primarily. If you wait till you feel forgiving, forgiveness toward the person who's hurt you, you're going to wait a long time. It may be that you'll never feel good about forgiving anybody. You want to grind them down. I mean, that might be, maybe you're more spiritual than most people I know. And if you are, God bless you. If your feelings tell you to do what scripture says, then you should go with your feelings in that sense. But what we begin with is truth. 
what the Bible actually says. And so uh, our feelings begin to follow that which we um, do in obedience to God's word. And so what I would say is that forgiveness is, it is a decision uh, to obey God and trust him to bring feelings of freedom and joy and peace again. Uh, in that sense, forgiveness is both a decision and a process. Some of the things I've read, people say, oh, you know, it's a process. You may not be ready to forgive. Well, I kind of agree with that in a way. But if it's been 10 years and you still wake up with a knot in your stomach wishing you could wring the neck of the person who hurt you 10 years ago, that's too long. you got to start somewhere. It's a decision, but it is a decision to uh, bring this whole under the umbrella of the holy God of the universe who in in his tenderness and kindness will work in your heart. A lot of people start a sermon like this by talking about how forgiveness is basically for you. You can't carry it. It'll poison you. The, it's like picking a, a scab. It never heals. You've got to give it up for your own soul because you'll feel better and life will be better if you don't hang on to it. Well, that's all true, but I don't, I don't think that we start there. I think we start with what does God say and even if there wasn't an immediate benefit to us, we should still obey him, right? So if he says forgive and we don't immediately see an upswing of peace and joy in our lives, well, okay, that will come. But let's talk about what God says first, and that's what we've tried to do. So I, I, I think I've got, the, yeah, this is my working definition. Forgiveness means releasing the offender from blame by giving the offense and the offender to God and moving on in peace and freedom and joy. That's my own definition. It's not, there's no official sanction from all the people who sanction officially things, whatever that means. <laughs> you may come up with something better. Um, but um, I, I think you release the offender to the degree that you say in your spirit, they don't owe me anything now. Well, we're done. And by God helping me, I'll be kind and I won't uh, uh, hate and I won't be angry by God's grace. It's an attitude thing in many ways, but it's such a giant issue that um, I wouldn't minimize it by saying it's just an attitude thing. Let's go to question number two. What if people don't ever apologize? Are we still supposed to forgive them? One time I... Uh, when I was a young church planter, there was another church planter, much better one than I, uh, who, uh, who had started a, a church and it grew very large. And he had quite a bit of influence in our uh, group of churches. And I found out that he had told the core group people in the, the new church I was starting some things about me that weren't all that positive. And so it, it cut me to the quick. It was very grievous to me. And I, it, it uh, so I finally got together my courage and tamped down my anger and I, I gave him a call. We talked. He was in another place and it was, we weren't going to meet probably, but I, I said, you know, you did such and such and man, that really, it's made my life difficult with these people, etc. And he said, oh, sorry, I didn't realize that it would hurt, but don't you love apologies like that? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, but, you know, you've done that to me so many times. Let me tell you about you. Um, so that's not an apology, right? Or, or you try to tell someone that 
what they did was really hurtful and they uh, make fun of you. <laughs> or they say, what? That's ridiculous. They laugh. Or maybe they say, well, pfft, what do I care? You know? That happens. So, aren't we supposed to forgive? I mean, actually, the question comes up because there are wonderful Bible teachers who say, since our example is Christ, Jesus never forgives anybody who isn't repentant and has faith. So, therefore, we shouldn't forgive people who don't apologize. And um, I've thought a lot about this. And I, are we supposed to forgive people who don't apologize? My answer is yes, we are. Uh, I, it's hard for me to see it any other way. Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. He didn't say forgive if you can track them down and hold them accountable and if they say they're sorry and if they begin to uh, make restitution. Presumably, you're standing and you, are, you have a welling up within you this sense of of resentment, of hurts that have gone by. And Jesus said, forgive those things so that our communication will be unhindered. The reason I think this becomes a weird issue that some people um, camp on, I think the people who don't want to forgive love this position, right? So I don't have to forgive. They never said they were sorry. Well, what does that look like then to you? Does that allow you resentment, reprisal? Well, no, that's forbidden. So when you start taking off the things it can't mean, I don't know what you've got, but I, I think that the problem people have um, that take this position have is that we're not God. So yeah, there is a wonderful example of how forgiveness comes. God in Christ has forgiven us, but we're not God. God is holy and pure, perfect, and when he forgives, he doesn't have any backlog of his own sins. He's never done anything wrong, and he doesn't have to forgive based on anything outside of himself. He forgives you. He sets his affection upon you before the time began, totally out of this, his sovereign will and grace. You and I, on the other hand, are people who are commanded by our God to forgive, and we're sinners, and we have, it's sinner to sinner when it comes down to it. And I, I, when God forgives somebody, there is reconciliation as part of the package every time. He doesn't forgive anybody who doesn't end up in his family reconciled to him. That's, a, that's how, how it works. In this broken world, sinner to sinner, sometimes reconciliation does not happen, though there is forgiveness. We wish it were otherwise. But unlike Almighty God, we don't have the power when we forgive somebody to change their heart and turn them into children instead of objects of wrath. So there's quite a difference. And so that's my answer to that question. If you ever ask it of yourself, um, that's my answer. I think the most important question is the one that we have about 15 minutes or so to deal with. How do you forgive? What does it look like? I'm going to give you 10 suggestions. I, I almost don't want to do, I hate lists like this. 
And I hate preaching where you got list after list after list like, oh, this is from God, you know. Well, I don't know. These ten things are based on Scripture. They arise out of Scripture, and they also arise out of my own heart and the journey that I've traveled. And so um, I'm offering, I think that they are true, but I don't say these are the Ten Commandments about forgiveness. There. So now, number one, be sure you're forgiven by God. The most important issue for you is your own forgiveness. If you're carrying a load of anger towards somebody else and you haven't reckoned with your own sin before Almighty God, then, you know, that's priority number one. Um, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you haven't tasted the goodness and kindness and grace of God, you cannot pass grace on when you don't have it. So please, if there's anyone here or anybody who will hear this, hey, podcast, we've got podcasts now. Maybe somebody will listen to this who's not saved, who doesn't know the grace of God. Deal with your own soul first. Number two, be humble about your own sins and your capacity to hurt others. I don't think you can forgive from a point of pride, not truly. Most of us would say, I would never do that to a child of mine. Or I would never drive drunk. Seriously? You ever driven drunk? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'll bet you somewhere in this room, somebody should have gotten a DUI and didn't. See, we, are, we cannot underestimate our capacity to sin and what we're capable of. And if we think, well, I'm so much better than that, then you don't know your own soul. Uh, and the fact that you haven't walked the same road and done the same things to other people is not a testament to you, your inherent goodness. It is a testament to the keeping power of Almighty God. It's an evidence of his grace that you didn't slam into somebody drunk or that you didn't you know, slug your boss and end up fired in a jail. Um, so number three, and th these first three are all kind of a package deal, I think. Rejoice in God's grace that he has forgiven you. Think about it. Come before him in humility. Um, spend time with the Lord and what it has meant to for him to forgive you. Cosmic treason is a big deal. The offense against an infinitely holy God, the creator of the universe, is incalculably evil. And we've all committed that. So thank God for Jesus who saved us and forgave us. Number four, I think you have to ask God's help. If you haven't done this already, you've got to have Ask God's help and know that in the flesh you can't do it. I would come before the Lord and say, and I've done this, Lord, I know you're calling me to forgive this person, but I, what I'd like to do is grind them down. I really really don't have any uh, desire to do anything other than take revenge. But Lord, I know that's not right. I know that's not what you want. Please help me. Have mercy on me. Grant me by the Holy Spirit the power to forgive. He will. That's a... Since he commands it, you ask for his power to flow through you, and he will answer that prayer. Number five, face the pain and damage the offense has caused you. 
I alluded to this in those contrasts. You can't just, you know, one of the ways that we Christians sometimes minimize, I should have said this earlier, but minimize the damage is that we compartmentalize it or we shove it down someplace and just don't think about it. And then you just go on. You just gut it out. You just keep going. And that's not forgiveness. It's going to pop out of there sometime. And it may be at a point where you don't really want it to pop out. You may have some kind of meltdown in, in a time when you don't need a meltdown. So I think part of forgiveness is facing this pain and the damage that has been done to you and what it really cost you. And I, you come before the Lord, weep before the Lord. If you're angry and upset, even with God, I told you last week, don't go around telling God that you hate him, please. I don't think that's a good plan, even if you feel that. And, and kids, like I said last week, I don't think you should ever tell your parents that, even if you're angry with them. But, but express your anger, it's okay. Let, let God know, he already knows. Weep before the Lord, tell him what it costs, write it out if you need to, be honest with yourself. It would be good if you could, in a perfect world, we would tell the offender and they would respond by saying, I am so sorry, I never knew, or I was, will you ever forgive me? And life would be a lot simpler. What do you do, though, when, when the person who hurt you is dead and they went wherever they went, you know? And in your better moments, you hope they're in heaven. You don't want anybody to go to hell. Seriously, you don't. Or what do you do when you know you've tried to talk to them and they've rebuffed you every time? I'm going to give you some advice I got from a book. About 20 years ago, I read a lot about forgiveness because I was really going through it and dealing with the forgiveness issues in my own life, some of which I alluded to last Sunday. And uh, this uh, one book I read gave a suggestion that I, re I read, and I thought, man, that is so stupid, and then I did it. Um, it's a role-playing thing. The person who hurt you the worst is gone somehow, inaccessible to you. I went in my office and I sat down and I had done a lot of work on what this has cost me. And I set a chair over there. And can I say, I, I guess I pretended that they were sitting there. And I told them, and I got angry. And I may have said some bad words, too. I might have. Forgive me. <laughs> ha! All right, make fun. I'm bearing my soul. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it. But I'm just telling you, it may be part of the process of your healing that you express these things in a setting where you imagine what it would be like if the person who's who grandpa uh, who's now in heaven or hell it is not around to hear you so take it or leave it but i think the idea of facing the pain and damage is for reals number six get wise counsel you may need help with this if the wounds are so deep and so um, ingrained in your heart don't be ashamed to admit you need some help. And it may be just the help of a loving friend who knows you well and who will be, who, who's not shockable and who will help you navigate these things. 
Um, it might be your pastor. If I could help you, I hope you know by now in these two weeks that this has not been an easy road for me to travel. And it's not something it, you come in and you tell me you're dealing with X, Y, and Z. I've heard it before and I've dealt with it in my own heart. And I'd love to be a part of the solution for you. Um, it may need professional counseling. I'm kind of like the family physician, you know, in an HMO. You come to me first. And what happens is I say, wow, you need a referral. <laughs> and off you go. So that happens sometimes, you know. So I got some great referrals to you. For you, one of them's my wife. Um, another's our dear friend Dennis. Um, but in any case, reach out for help if you need it. Number seven, make a decision. This is where it gets uh, dicey. Make a decision to forgive, to obey the Lord, and release the offender and the offense to Him. How do you do that? You have to be ready. And I don't think the day after you're hurt or the day this this whole thing went down. I mean, some people are ready the next day, the de next hour, the next minute. Some people are not. And so I think to count the cost of what it means has to be there. To feel the pain of it, I think you have to do that. But I don't know that there's a specific timetable. But somewhere along the line, you've got to get busy with forgiving instead of hoarding it. And um, so you take a step. Uh, what does it mean to make a decision? Well, it might mean at the end of this service, you come forward to the piano and just get prayer. And don't be ashamed. There's not a person in this room who hasn't had to forgive. And some of you are in the process of forgiving. So don't let your pride keep you from having brothers and sisters pray for you. So that may be one way. Another way, you might write down um, the person and how it's, how he or she has hurt you or the group or whatever. And then you come before the Lord with that and you write in big letters with a big magic marker, I forgive by the grace of God or in Jesus' name. And you sign your name. And then you bury that or you tear it in little pieces and drive to the beach and cast it on the water. Or you flush it down the toilet. Or you go out in the backyard on the barbecue and you flame it out, you know. Or, you know, what I think would be cool, I've shown you all these slides with these Japanese lanterns that go up. I just think those are so cool, and I, when I see them, I think of forgiveness. That's why they show up in, in messages like this. Um, but you can't do that in California because it's illegal. <laughs> Naturally. So, so if, if you, you can do it on the water. I mean, you could send it off on the ocean, and uh, that might be also a means to to give it to the Lord. Um, but don't if you flame it up in a Japanese lantern and something catches on fire. Now you have to forgive me. And so I'm saying, <laughs> look, don't do that. OK, make a decision to obey the Lord. Number eight, continue to yield your feelings to the Lord. Corey Ten Boom said that um, it was like ringing a bell and you stop ringing the bell. It still reverberates. So the minute you say, I forgive, and you make a decision to do that, it's still going to be vibrating. And you, you shouldn't be surprised that an hour later you feel like, man, I'd like to take a swing at that guy, or whatever. you. F <laughs> but what you do is you give it back to the Lord. You say, Lord, I'm so glad I've given this to you to forgive, and I give this back to you. And you keep doing that. Our, our friend Dennis Harris um, 
who is Dion's mentor in, in counseling and a good friend of this ministry, uh, says, it's okay to process, but not to wallow. So if you're processing, sure. If you're wallowing, eh, it's not helpful. You know, keep giving it to the Lord. Number nine, be wise about how or if the one you've forgiven will be part of your life. Now, if you're married to that person, I mean, that's complicated. And you probably do need some help with this. If you're at a point where you're, it's a marital issue, spouse and spouse, forgiveness and all that, you probably need help. And you should get it. It's less complicated, but no, it's not any easier if it's a, a someone a little more distant to you. But you have to ask the question and be wise about it. To what degree is our relationship unchanged? You don't have to let them babysit ever again. Uh, you don't have to pick up the phone call every time your cell lights up and it's them. You don't have to answer. You don't have to. God, in, in part of the freedom of forgiveness is that you now are back where you should have been and you're, you're independent of the, of the control of someone who might have exercised an ungodly hold on you. And that's what happens. And, and they still hold, hold you if you're bitter and you walk around every day with that um, poison in you. So be wise. The last thing I would say is be continue to pursue Christ. This is pursue Christ and move on in peace and joy and freedom. This is the best thing of all. Jesus is our treasure. He's the pearl of great price. He's the treasure in the field that a man found. And when he discovered it, he gave all he had for that treasure. Christ is the treasure. He's the one we pursue. The song that we sang, you know, basically, he's everything to us. And you will find fulfillment and joy and peace and healing in Christ and nowhere else. Keep pursuing him. At the end of the day, forgiveness is not an easy thing to navigate. And if you go to a conference where they tell you 10 steps, please, this is not 10 steps. Um, and at the, you know, you're supposed to come out the other side, everything's cool now. I don't think it's that easy. I think it's a work of your life. You know, it's, it's like um, first or in Philippians 2, um, Paul talks about forgiveness this way, with fear and trembling, you know. And I think it's with fear and trembling that we forgive. Knowing that God's at work in us, Work out your own forgiveness, to paraphrase that verse, knowing that God is at work in you. Um, Jesus is the best in all of this and the only one who will heal us. This week, I brought out an old file of mine on forgiveness, and I was reading a bunch of things that I had written or clipped out of the paper or something when we used to have papers. They used to have these things like paper, and you would get the news in them anyway so I got some examples of that they're going to be some worth some money someday I guarantee it um, anyhow I found an article written by one of my favorite authors um, Dr. Lewis Smeads was a wonderful writer 
and professor who wrote so compassionately and wisely, his books are still in print, um, on forgiveness. And included in my file was a story that I did not remember reading from him. He told the story of a young Jewish uh, woman in Amsterdam. And uh, her name was Eddie Hillison. And she um, lived at a time when the Nazis overran and occupied Amsterdam, and they were systematically arresting and sending all the Jews off to the camps. And it was, it was so inevitable to her that she and her friends didn't even hide. They didn't try to get out of the Netherlands. They just waited. And her, she journaled. She was a great person to write down her thoughts. And early in her journal, they were mainly thoughts about what a young woman would think about issues in her life. But somewhere along the line, as a Jew, she got a hold of a Bible, and she began to read it. And um, she met Christ, and she was transformed. She had such a wonderful, mature, feisty faith in Christ. And so she journaled, and her journaling changed. And so, inevitably, 1942, she was shoved on a cattle car, and she ended up in Auschwitz. She was 28 years old. She didn't make it to 30. Before she um, got on that car, she gave her journal to a friend. It was disappeared from public view for 40 years, and when they found it, it's been published and republished under various names. You could get it on Amazon. But I thought that I, one of the things I, I was struck by is how her perspective on what was going to be the greatest sin against her in her whole life. They were going to murder her, and she knew it. So I'm just going to read to you. Eddie Hillison. From all sides, our destruction creeps up on us, and soon the ring will be closed. And no one at all will be able to come to our aid. But I don't feel that I'm in anybody's clutches. I feel safe in God's arms. And whether I am sitting at my beloved old desk in the Jewish district or in a labor camp under SS guards, I shall feel safe in God's arms. For once you've begun to walk with God, you need only keep on walking with him. And all of life becomes one long stroll. Such a marvelous feeling. Whatever's happened to you in the past, as you pray and reflect, you'll find Jesus was there. Whatever you're going through now, whatever you're facing in the future, it's a long stroll with him. His arms are around you. There's nothing that he won't get you through and safely home. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I say to you, let us forgive one another as God has forgiven us. Let's pray.
Father, when we contemplate what you have done in our lives, it humbles us about the things that were done to us. And we know that everything goes back to the cross and what Jesus bore in our place. And so I pray that you would give us the grace to forgive and whatever we're working through or have worked through or need to work through, I pray that you would walk with us and help us. That we might live in peace and joy and freedom in a long stroll with our best and most beloved one, our Jesus. And we pray in his name, amen.